Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Tom Cronin, who is an author, speaker, coach, and the founder of The Stillness Project. Tom, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. Glad to be here today. Of course, man. Great to have you. And we'd like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Yeah, so uh, I guess my work is fun. You know, a big part of what I do is, is stuff that I love doing. You know, I, I teach, I meditation, I coach, I uh, run retreats. It's all fun stuff for me. But outside of all that, the things that I really like to do just in my spare time is I love going to the beach, surfing, going for bushwalks, hanging out with my family, um, you know, just keeping it really simple in life, doing a lot of meditation and doing a lot of breath work and looking after my own well-being, my mind and my body. That's a big part of what I call fun. Some other people might think it's hard work, but it's what I enjoy doing. So I kind of combine my two worlds of work and, you know, pleasure to be almost very similar, similar sort of things. I gotcha. I gotcha. That's really awesome. Like when you can hit that, um, I guess like described as your genius zone and when you've really found that and you've intertwined it into your work. And so you can be in that zone and you are like losing track of time because you're enjoying it so much. That's kind of where you want to be. So I like that. Yeah, that's very much the case. It's like, where does time go? It just like disappears so quickly because it's everything moments is several of joy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So now you are the founder of the Stillness Project, which I assume incorporates that coaching and the running retreats. But tell us about what the day-to-day looks like running the Stillness Project. Yeah, I mean, the Stillness Project was a vision I had to bring meditation to the world in a bigger way. I could see that most of the world's problems come from a, a low level of consciousness or simply not having full awareness of our true potential which was the same for me. I was in abject suffering and misery before I came across meditation and the things that um, have changed my life that weren't that difficult to integrate. But once I did, my life changed dramatically. And it didn't mean I became perfect. It just meant that I got better at life and became a better human being. And that's a work in progress. And we always have that ongoing progress. But um, what I could see was starting to change, not just my life, but others was when they started to meditate. And so I felt really passionate about this ancient practice that had been around for five to 10,000 years that, you know, how do I get this into the households of the world? How do I mainstream this? How do I make this accessible for people? And so a lot of what I do these days is um, social outreach, um, putting content out there, getting on podcasts, and then actually doing the work of teaching people. So I'm running a course of meditation this weekend, um, tomorrow and on Sunday, Saturday and Sunday. So I'll be, yeah, teaching people how to actually meditate is a big part of what I do. There we go. Well, tell us about that for those who are new to meditation. What does that, um, you said it's a webinar? It's actually a weekend course in person. Uh, and look, okay. it's, it's a different style of meditation than just getting on an app and, you know, trying to empty your mind. This is what we call Vedic meditation or transcendental meditation, very similar sort of process and technique where you receive a particular sound based upon when you're born. And that sound has a resonance to it, a particular vibration. And it has a quality to take the mind away from the external world where our mind basically goes. Our mind all day long is going to forms and phenomenon or matter that will create some degree of excitation or stimulation in us. That's why our mind is constantly going in these directions, particularly on Instagram, TikTok. It just devours that content because it creates some degree of stimulation. What the mantra does or this sound does is it takes the mind in the opposite direction. It takes the mind inward away from the world of form, away from the world of matter. And it takes the mind into a a spacious, a spacious realm that there's no form. And when we go into that, what happens is we firstly get incredible brain coherence where the brain starts to synergize itself, the two hemispheres, the left and right, but also front and back. And we get full brain optimization when we're not actually landing on a particular form or point of matter. And we go into this beautiful 
expansive space. It's almost behind our thoughts that is firstly an incredible space of consciousness that is the source of all thoughts and the source of all creative impulses. But also it puts us in a physiological level of rest that's quite profound. And it's that physiological rest that we need to really heal and optimize the body. And that's where I was having a lot of my problems. My nervous system was so busy and so hyperstimulated that my nervous system and my body couldn't rest. It was just so hyperstimulated, causing, dis, dis, I guess, dysfunction, disease. And I had a lot of disease before I learned to quiet the mind. And when we quiet the mind in that space, the physiology drops into a profoundly deep state of rest around four times deeper than sleep. And that's when we start to really heal and optimize. Mm. So you mentioned transcendental meditation. You mentioned kind of a sound that's based on the time you were born. Is the process of this, is it like a 15-minute thing, a 30-minute thing where you're just sitting in silence, not silence, but with the sound solely? Is that mm. kind of what it looks like practically? Yeah, um, the technique itself is usually around 20 minutes. And so you'll, the course itself is uh, four one and a half hour sessions. So I'll teach uh, two sessions on Saturday and two sessions on Sunday, or sometimes it'll be four nights in a row during the week. But the technique itself is just for 20 minutes. Usually you could do longer, you could do shorter, but we generally recommend roughly around 20 minutes where you sit with your eyes closed and repeat that sound inside your head without moving the tongue or the lips. And then that has this beautiful repetitious process that quiets the mind and the nervous system ah so are you like humming that sound to yourself kind of it's silent so you don't actually hum it it's no you don't hear it at all um the interesting thing about the sound is that this is what we call transcending meditation so eventually the sound itself will actually dissolve so the sound lures the mind away from thoughts which are on the external world so it pulls the the mind from the external world to the inner world and then eventually with the repetition of that sound, it actually, the sound itself will fade away and then you'll just have nothing. You'll just have spaciousness and you'll be in silence and stillness. Mm. That's what we call transcending. So the mind now is not having a thought, not having a mantra or a sound, and there's just silence and it's in, in complete peace. And it's a very phenomenal space to be in where you don't have any awareness about your physical form, your emotional or feeling form, or even your mental form yet you still are awake and exist. And it's, uh, it's, I believe it's the ultimate human experience to have that. Until we can incorporate that into our daily basis, we're going to be falling short of what it is to be human. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, I like that a lot. So when did you first figure out about this? When did you start it? Give us a story of that. Like, was it scary for you to like start the meditation process or were you eager to jump at it? Kind of tell us the story of that. It's, it's interesting. You mentioned that word scary. And, and, Oh, honestly, it was a little bit, not so much starting the meditation process, but in the meditation, which I'll get to in a moment. So how I came across it was that I was actually, um, I was in a pretty bad way. I was very much Wolf of Wall Street. I was a broker on a trading room floor like Jordan Belfort in Wolf of Wall Street. And uh, I was out of control. I was doing a lot of drugs and drinking and partying and late nights. And my body was really getting messed up. My mind was getting messed up. I was getting really depressed having a lot of panic attacks, a lot of anxiety. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't know what was going on. I just, I just got worse and worse without realizing it. I was just so deeply, I guess, caught up in my narcissistic hedonistic lifestyle. I didn't realize what was going on. You just kind of just slowly morph into this messed up person. And then eventually it blew up into a big nervous breakdown at the age of 29. I was in a pretty bad way. And I was uh, sent to psychiatrists and psychologists and doctors and put on suicide watch and couldn't go to work, had to take time off work. And then I was sitting at home and I was watching this documentary about a businessman. It was all about how successful he was, um, big property developer here in Australia. And in that story, it was like a Freddie Ware TV show. And there was a tiny segment where he was talking about how he used meditation, a particular style. He, he said the word transcendental meditation. Now, I love getting out of it. I love getting wasted, you know, like, I was doing a lot of drugs and drinking. And, and for me, the point of that was to try and transcend, to actually get out of my current world, which I didn't really like. I didn't like who I was. I didn't like the job I was in. And so getting wasted was a big part of my life. I like to transcend my current reality, and particularly in the nightclubs and raves. I was really big into the rave scene. And that was like utopia. You know, you go to this big warehouse, and there's like a thousand, two thousand people all doing drugs and partying and listening to amazing music. And it was like an escape for me. Um, 
So when I saw that, I was like, this guy was meditating in a suit. And he said that, you know, we did this transcending meditation. I was like, wow, that looks like so cool. And that's when I started to uh, actually, I didn't have Google back then. It was 1996. So I got the yellow pages. So many young kids won't even know what I'm talking about. It was like our Google used to be a big fat book of yellow pages that had all the businesses in it. And I looked up M for meditation and started ringing all the meditation centers. And that's when I started to explore. And I came across, I saw a transcendental meditation. It was in, in red. So in the yellow pages, you could pay a, a premium to have your, your listing with a bigger, bolder image and in, in red. So there was all the black ones, meditation, this meditation, that, and there it was transcendental meditation. I was like, wow, that's the one he said. And so I rang him up and I said, you know, I want to learn to meditate. It's like, oh, you have to come in first and come and do a talk. So I went in and they told me all about the meditation. I'm like, that's exactly what I'm looking for. It was phenomenal. Everything that they said. And then I learned. And that, so the learning itself was, I was just excited. I was just pumped. You know, I was just like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. But interesting in the meditation, when you said scary, the process of transcending the first time i came across it in one of my meditations and you usually it happens for me when i'm teaching my students it's usually in the first weekend and it was in this first workshop I, I was dropping down into a space i could feel myself dropping and it's like where am i going like i've never been here before and there was this kind of reluctance because when you transcend you lose your identity you lose your story, you lose the future, you lose the past, you lose your possessions, you lose, you know, your loved ones, you lose the things that scared you, you lose your ambitions, your desires, your everything just melts away and you drop into this incredible spaciousness. But until you're familiar with that, there's a bit of egoic fear around, well, if I don't have all that, then who the heck am I? And I remember pulling out, it's like, whoa, that's, it was like this jolt of like, whoa, that's scary. Um, and then I got more familiar with the process and, and, and the, saw the beauty in the surrender. And then I was like, oh, wow, this is special. This yeah. is where I'm free. This is what I've been looking for all my life. Yeah, that's not in, awesome. Not in, a, not in a warehouse with drugs and raves and lasers and lots of people ooing and ahhing. It was just like, oh, no, this is, this is real freedom. Yeah, I love that. That's um, interesting that you talk about... Uh egoic fear as you drop deeper into the meditation and i like how you kind of describe the space you go into it's i read the power of now by mm. eckhart uh tolly and he was talking about how very similar to what you're describing is kind of how he said the power of now was but he was like you really have to experience it for yourself like the words i'm saying cannot fully give you the picture of what i'm trying to tell you I experienced, um, which I think is really cool because I think you put some more words to it for me that made it make a bit more sense. But um, yeah, I like that a lot. Well, awesome. Tell us a bit more about your motivation. What gets you up and keeps you going every day with the stillness project? Like you've dropped into transcendental meditation and you have experienced that and you realize that that is the pinnacle of human experience. What motivates you to keep going outside of that time? You know, I did a talk yesterday at Harvard Business School. Um, it's all about the shifting paradigm that we're going in for business and the world and how we, by default, are going to need to start to change and keep up with this paradigm shift, which is going from me to we. And I was talking a lot about how when I first started out with a stillness project, I still had a lot of ego. I still have some ego. Don't worry about that. But I had a lot more ego before. And um, even when I left finance and went into setting up the stillness project, I, I built it around a lot of egoic desires and ambitions and goals. And I wanted to inspire a billion people to meditate. And I was driven and driven. And that was my purpose to get to these goals and to change the planet. And then one day I was on a retreat and I was actually not running the retreat, which was a real change for me. I was receiving the retreat. And I had this huge insight that I've been carrying this cross on my back that I had to fix this problem. And that cross was weighing me down and it was creating um a deteriorated state within me because i was so driven and so motivated i just changed from being driven and motivated for money and drugs and drinking and partying to being driven for making a difference in the world and it's nice to have those ambitions and goals but not to our detriment and it was to my detriment and it was just like this huge epiphany and i started crying and having this huge relief and release and like i don't need to carry that cross anymore it's like that's not my responsibility 
what's my responsibility is to be in a in a in a in an enlightened state and to come back to the now like Eckhart Tolle talks about and make that my purpose and my motivation is to how present can I be how more true can I be in my state of my divine awareness and then interestingly because I was more established in my truth and in my true state of just making enlightenment my name number one primary um, not even an objective just to be it um surprisingly I started having more impact in the world yeah because <laughs> I was in a better state and it's just like I dropped the numbers I'm, I'm not fussed about the numbers anymore someone said can you put a counter on your website so you can measure and I went no I don't I'm not like if I if I two people learn to meditate then I'm done that's good that's enough um mm-hmm. you know if a million then that's great as well but what's really important is how true can I be in this moment how present can I be in this moment how full of joy and lightness and love can I be in this moment and then whatever else happens on the back of that then let's just see to that but let's just do what I want to do and do it from the heart mm. so I'm curious what are some of the things that because I hear you talking about so you have the transcendental transcendental meditation time about 20 minutes where you're dropping you're really retreating back to that now mm-hmm. then you have the other 23 hours and 40 minutes of the day right and the question is how present can you be how true can you be what are some of the things throughout the day that detract from you being present detract from you being true and then how do you deal with them without dropping back into that state in that protected 20 minutes does that make sense yeah absolutely look i mean i run a very multiple businesses you know i've got a big film project that uh, i've got investors in that i have to manage i've got coaching programs i've got retreats that i'm organizing i've got conferences that we're running um, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of moving parts. Uh, we've got charities that we support and look after. So I have a very um, well-organized calendar <laughs> yeah. so that I can be present. You know, uh, I don't need to do anything more than what I'm doing right now. And right now I'm in a podcast and I knew I was going to be in a podcast um, because it was in my calendar. And so what the calendar does, just like your school timetable, when we were in geography, we weren't thinking about English. We just knew that when the bell went, we checked our calendar or our timetable went, oh, I have to be in class B, uh, 6B. So I'm going to go over to 6B now because I think I'm in English next. And then when we get there and in the transition from geography to English, we're walking down a hallway. We might run into Dave or Sarah or and we're just present in each moment and each transition. Um, there's still some organizing and booking and scheduling and I've got a list of things that I have to do today that I moved through that list. But um, my day is quite a full day. Uh, it's, it's a very full day. You know, I meditate in the morning. I meditate in the afternoon. I, I go to the gym three, four, five times a week. Sometimes I do sauna and I like to do saunas and sweat. I like to do swimming and surfing. Um, I like to watch TV. I love documentaries. So Netflix, thank you for all the amazing documentaries you've been making. They're very good at making documentaries. Um, so I'll take time out with Telly and hang out with my family. Um, but yeah, I just get clear on what I need to do for that day. I map it out. What are the things that I need to do to um, accelerate my day, but being present through that process of organizing the day. Mm. There we go. A lot of my days, a lot of my day is divided partly in three kind of pillars. One pillar is actually doing my work, which is coaching, mentoring, running retreats, teaching like this weekend. So there's doing the work. There's letting people know me doing the work is available so that's marketing marketing and sales so i still need to do social media i need to do podcasts so today right now in this moment i'm doing pillar two which is marketing and sales so podcast is all about marketing and sales um uh before this i was having an ex uh, what we call a an exploration call or a vision session with a potential client again that's in pillar two marketing and sales she's not a client yet and i'm not working with her but potentially she will be because of that pillar two that time allocated to that process and then pillar three is pleasure time so uh today you know I was, I'll, I'll have some telly time i'm going to go for sauna later on uh meditated already done some stretching so it's all about my nourishment and my my personal um well-being i guess there we go i love it i love how you think about your day and you break it up in that really intentional way of like these are the three things that i need in my life let me make sure i'm putting them in my calendar and so yeah. that was a big switch for me for the longest time I hated a calendar and I really hated a calendar because I felt trapped in my calendar of doing stuff that I really didn't want to do. And it just sucked my energy from me. 
And one time, one of my friends said to me, why do you hate scheduled activity so much? Like, why do you hate a calendar so much? I'm, and I was like, well, it's always stuff that I don't want to do. And then she was like, that's funny because I only put what I want to do on my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good switch, right? yeah. And I was like, that makes so much sense. I would like my calendar so much more. And at that point in my life, I had no idea what I liked to do, which was part of the reason a bunch of stuff I didn't like to do was showing up. Right. So interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But I like Yeah, that. my calendar, yeah, my calendar, like, um, so, because a lot of my clients book their sessions in into my calendar. They have access to my calendar through Calendly, and they just book their sessions in when they, where they can. So I like the, it's a bit of a control thing that I have. You know, I like to be able to control when they can and can't book in. So my whole calendar is booked out between one and three every day. Like no one, I don't work between one and three. As soon as one o'clock comes, my calendar's clear. There's no appointments, there's no bookings. I like to nap. Just don't tell anyone, but I'm a bit of a napper. I love to have an afternoon nap after lunch. So, um, yeah, I just, I don't want to have to do a call at two. I kind of like that time to have quiet time. Um, and then no one can book in my calendar on, on Friday afternoon. So I, I just, I work weekends, so I don't want to work Friday afternoon. There's something special about a Friday afternoon. I like going to the beach, sitting on the, uh, on the sand and uh, maybe getting a massage, go for a walk or something. So I like to regulate my massage with, like your friend, with, making sure there's lots of time for the fun stuff. I gotcha. I love it. Well, let's jump into your dreams and goals now. Tell us about your vision for your companies and your life. Mm. Yeah, you know, I try not to get, it's hard because, you know, we're in spiritual things, we want to be present and not have ambitions and goals and just let go of all of that. But I, I kind of like to play with that because I see the, the mind as the architect for life. And I actually run a whole retreat on, uh, it's called alchemy, which is a retreat that people come to. And the big part of that process is helping them get very clear on the life they want to create. And a lot of us uh, are creating a life based upon faulty programming in the mind. And these are called um, vasanas, tendencies of the mind to think in a particular way. So when we can clear the mind out of those, um, I guess, coded and conditioned thought forms and recalibrate with the nature of the mind and get clear about what do you want to create because you can't create your life until you have a thought and intention about that unless you're just a cork in the ocean and you just let life happen to you if you want to be directional and be intentional then you have to be specific about the thoughts that you're entertaining and impressing on the field of formlessness that all forms become out of so there's a field of formless possibility that is all potential sitting in that like you chose that shirt that you're wearing your mum didn't give it to you and say hey you're wearing this today you you had a thought i'm gonna wear the gray t-shirt today you chose the logo and the, the fonts and everything behind you um that all started with the intention and the thought and the thought is always the starting point from formlessness to form so this pen couldn't be manifest unless someone had a thought to manifest the pen first. And so we get clear on what are the thoughts. And so I, am, I'm, I, I play with the thinking process because it's fun. And we're here to manifest. We're here to extract from formlessness some form, which is our life. The partner that we're with, the city that we're living in, the job that we're choosing, the hairstyle that we've got, the clothes that we're wearing, it all started with an intention and a thought. So for me, I like to play with that. You know, I'd love one day to manifest living on a farm. I kind of almost have in some way, I, I look after my mom and dad's farm, but I'm, my wife and I've got a very clear intention that one day we would like to have uh, some, some bigger land that we can call our own that will grow veggies and potentially host um, meditation experiences in. Um, I, I also think a lot about the type of lifestyle I'd like to live, not just where I'd like to live, but you know, how spacious are my days? What is the feeling that I want to have? So I want to have a lot of, I like spaciousness in my day, a lot of time to just roam and, and be. And so looking at how do I build a scalable business model that allows me to generate uh, more impact in the world that also allows me more space in my time. So I can't just have that intention without mapping out the, the model for that to actually take place. So that's why we're looking at creating scalable business models within my programs that allow me to have more space in my day because that's a big vision and goal for me. But then how do I impact more people at the same time? I wanna impact people by growing, um, you know, at the moment where we're helping uh, farmers grow orange trees in Malawi, we're helping um, build schools in, and support schools in Nigeria. 
We're helping Aboriginal communities get more digital technology into them. Here in Australia, we're helping um, prevent and re-educate girls from sex slavery in Colombia. So how do I build a business that helps more people around the world, gives me more time to just sit on my farm and grow veggies, and also um, you know, impact more people through the coaching programs that I run. So that's a lot of what I'm working through at the moment. Yeah. And, have, and maybe play a bit more golf. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Um, I really like the spaciousness point. I have a very similar uh, vision for my life of like, I love flexibility in my day and space in my day. But I also really want to, you know, impact a lot of people like that's where I get my fulfillment. That's where I get like, it's like, uh, kind of like an expansion of my like desire and my like joy and my love. Like, it's just natural that I want to go impact people, right? Um, but I also like the spaciousness in my day. And so I like that balance that you're trying to strike of like, how do I create a business that impacts people, but also preserves the spaciousness in my day where I can be one-on-one -on -one with people when I choose, but I can also grow veggies on my farm. Yeah, so I felt I was, I was moving quickly everywhere. And I felt this energy of haste in my body. It was this wake-up call one day where I was by default just moving so fast and trying to cram so much in and it was just busy 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 and i know a lot of our society is feeling that without realizing it because we've normalized to having that essence or energy inside of us and that's what drives us to be so busy is because we're already feeling busy which means we create things that mean we can be more busy and i thought wow we've got to stop this this is too much and this is not how i want to live my life i don't want to feel busy i want to feel spacious so i had to sit with that in my meditations and go wow you've normalized to being busy why don't you start to feel spacious? And I got really clear about what a spacious day would look like and feel like. And then slowly over time, it just started to manifest. And so a lot of time when we're thinking about manifesting or our desires or ambitions and goals, we don't think about the energy that we'd like to be experiencing. And because of that, well, quite often we don't manifest our visions and goals because we, we're not in thinking about the energy that we need to be in for that vision and goal to actually call, call into our life. Mm. So talk to us a little bit about visualizing that energy, visualizing that emotion, because I like to also visualize like what I want the future to look like, what I want my current day to look like, all of that stuff. But um, while I can visualize like a picture of it, the emotion of it and visualizing that in a potent manner has been a bit more difficult for me. So talk us through how you've developed that in yourself. It is harder, exactly that. It's, uh, and this is the, the challenge with a lot of the visualizations, things that we're playing with in the world at the moment, the apps and the programs and stuff, is that we find it very easy to visualize something that we would like. Let's just say it's a partner or a car or some money or what we struggle with is identifying the feeling that we currently have in our body. So let's just say you visualize having more affluence and what that might look like for someone. But what they don't realize is that they're probably having an energy in their body that they're so deeply familiar with that they don't know that there's anything else other than that feeling, which is a state of lack or fear around money or, or, or that I'm not going to have enough. And I know this because I, I grew up with it. You know, I grew up with Irish Catholic heritage and it was deep in our, in our genetic code. And a lot of us inherit a feeling that we don't realize is the way we've been operating our life based upon that feeling. And it could be a number of different types of feelings that are the predominant feelings in our body but because they're subtle feelings and we don't know what the other feeling is that's the opposite to that feeling but if you've got um a feeling say uh i'm unloved and i i can't find a relationship and i'm lonely then that feeling will determine and create the outcome of you being lonely and not having dynamic relationships to change that feeling isn't about visualizing someone in your life. It's actually to change the feeling that you have in your body. And then when we change the feeling in our body, it's like, oh, wow, I'm just love. I'm emanating love. I'm just so full of love. Now, this is the hard work because it's about really changing something on almost a physiological and energetic level in your body before you've had the experience. Because most of us don't have the energy in our body change until the experience changes. So the experience won't come in to change our feeling because we're in a feeling that's creating the, the experience. Yeah. And so that's the catch 22, right? And so we have to then start to feel, what does it feel like being abundant when we're not abundant? That's a tricky thing. Yeah. Right. And so we have to start doing this fake it till we make it type setup. It's quite, it's, 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 it's a very difficult process. 
and it takes a lot of time. And meditation is why my retreats, we, we work a lot through this, is to clear out their energies, raise their vibration, so that changing that frequency is, is something that we do almost first, and then we put a thought to the new feeling. I that's see. a lot of, we do yoga, breathwork, meditation, you know, foods, we take them away for a very powerful process that helps them change their state without them even really having to do too much about that. I got you. I got you. So it's like taking them through the meditative process. It clears out that energy that is like kind of almost subconsciously in the background, yeah. uh, you know, bringing us everything that we get in our life. It clears that out. And after you've cleared that out, it's almost, um, it's a lot easier or more natural to like feel the new energy associated with the vision that you want for your life or the, the abundance, right? It's easier to step into that once you've cleared out the lack or the scarcity. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's very hard to change the vibration, the feeling in our body whilst we're in our day-to-day circumstances, because our day-to-day circumstances have kind of caused or created the feeling in our body. And so it's a lot easier. We, we, we work on this premise in our retreats and our weekend workshops, let's change their state first and then correct their intellect to be more congruent with their new state, Mm -hmm. as opposed to a lot of books and processes is like, let's change their thinking state and hopefully that will change their feeling state. It's very hard to do it that way. Mm, I gotcha. Meditation to clear it out. And then once it's cleared out, is it then like, just think the thoughts and the feeling will come naturally, just visualizing the feeling will come naturally. Or is there another step before that, that kind of sets you up to feel properly? I'd like to think meditation would be the one, t- one trick wonder, but it definitely plays an integral role in changing the state. I do think there's other modalities need to be combined with that. So breath work, ice baths, meditation, yoga, there's a lot of things to change our state. Some people use dance, some people use diet. Obviously you can do meditation, but if you're eating you know, KFC and drinking Coca-Cola all day, you, your state's probably not gonna change that much. You know, There's a holistic approach that has to happen to change your vibe and to get your vibe high. So that's why our retreats is a really powerful process. You can still do it on a micro level day to day by just tweaking your day and tweaking the, the way you live your life. And if you're staying up all night on TikTok looking at shitty videos um, and then doing some breath work, well, the breath work's not gonna have to, it's gonna have to do a lot of hard work to yeah. get you to change it. So we do have to have a holistic approach. But once we change their state, then we start thinking about changing their beliefs and their thought patterns. Because what happens is we get these recurring thoughts in our head. These are called vasanas, tendencies of the mind. These are habituated, coded thinking patterns that a lot of us have. And we, we up, upgrade their state first through the, the retreats and the meditation and the breath work and the yoga. And then we start working on correcting their mind. We identify where are the limiting beliefs? How do we overcome those limiting beliefs? We take them through exercises and practices to start correcting and reshaping the way they habitually think, because that's a deeply coded pattern that we're very familiar with as well. So we have to change both of those, the vibration, the state, and the software. So it's hardware and software. So it's like your phone, this phone, right? Um, you get a software update in your phone, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we're getting them regularly now. Now, if you don't update your hardware, my wife did this for a while, right? She had a, an iPhone 4 right? Everyone was on like an eight or a nine. And she was just, it was covered in sticky tape and stuck together. And it's like, no, I'm not, I like this phone. It was like a little brick, you know, those little iPhone fours back then. It was really fat. Um, It was a little ripper. And um, she just refused to update the hardware, but eventually got to a point where Apple kept sending her software updates and the hardware wasn't able to take the software. Mm. She got to a point where the software said, no, it, it can't work in this hardware. The hardware's not big enough and not powerful enough and not adaptable enough for the software. Same vice versa. If we keep updating the hardware and we've got the latest iPhone 14, but we're only running with the really old software, then there's going to be incongruency there as well. Yeah. Okay, so we need to keep updating hardware and software, updating hardware and software, updating hardware and software. And that's the approach we have to take for excellence as a human being i like it it's kind of um it's kind of like a feedback loop where it's like once you clear out that kind of lack stuff with the meditation and then you address those beliefs it'll then help with your thoughts and feelings but then that'll also help you to maintain a high vibration or like continue to raise your vibration and it just goes and 
instead of the negative Self- rabbit hole, it's the positive one. Self-perpetuates. And we can do that down, spiral down. We can spiral up. Depends mm-hmm. on our practice and our commitment and what we're doing here, for sure. 100%. 100%. Well, awesome. Let's go ahead and uh, jump to our next question. Curious, what are the top one to two skills that you are developing or need to be developing right now to kind of bring this dream life to fruition? Um, one skill set that I probably need to work a little bit more on, uh, which I, um, I'm getting a lot more speaking gigs. And everything is learnable, trainable, improvable. Uh, and it comes back to Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 Hours. Um, his book was called The Outliers, but he, he referenced in The Outliers a great book about um, the excellence of humans, you know, certain humans that are outliers in our society that excel more than anyone else excels. And, and what is it that made them excel as opposed to someone else? It could be a team, it could be an individual. And uh, he, he determined that there was this 10,000 hour principle that they, they apply a lot more time to that particular practice. And that made them much better than other people. So um, for me, speaking as a presenter is something I've done some training in, and I've certainly done a lot of speaking, but it's a craft that I think can, I can definitely improve upon. And so I'm looking at doing further training in speaking to take my, my speaking um, fees, but also my speaking capabilities to the next level. Um, what else am I learning? Uh, I don't know. I just think that every day I'm learning how to live life. My kids teach me, my students teach me, life itself teaches me. Uh, I'm constantly learning how to be a better human. And that's, uh, I think, something that will we'll continue on for the rest of our lives. For sure. For sure. And what are the highest impact daily actions that tick the needle forward towards these dreams and goals? Say that again. I'm just trying to think with that. What are the highest impact daily actions that are going to tick the needle forward towards these dreams and goals of like mm-hmm. bringing meditation to the world in a bigger way, manifest living on a farm, keeping the spaciousness in your mm-hmm. day? What are your mm-hmm. daily actions that are going to have the highest impact towards that? Yeah. It's a great question. Uh, I think awareness about my message and the the knowledge that I share is a big part of it. So I do a lot of podcast outreach um, to make sure that I can get more exposure to more audiences, more communities. So that's a part of what I do. Social media content, constantly providing content that enables people to share it, like it. I probably could always do more. Um, probably need to lift my social media game. Uh, it's something that is an integral part of the business, but I do lack a little bit with um, consistency with that. So I think those two things is how do I, my main thing is how do I get in front of more people? That's mm-hmm. what I'm constantly thinking about. You know, how do I let poor people know, let more people know around the world that I exist so that I can impact more people and share my message more? For sure. I love it. And what character trait do you most need to develop right now to bring this dream life into fruition? If I was talking on an egoic level, I'd probably say confidence. You know, there's one thing that we tend to struggle with in, in this space that we're in uh, is a sense of belief. You know, we tend to be, I certainly am quite critical of myself, quite judgmental of myself, and we tend to, as perfectionists, see the worst in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's about overcoming those limiting beliefs and the, I guess, the, the trepidation about being seen. Most of us as an ego have this uh, fear or desire of being seen. Some people love being seen. Uh, maybe the Kardashians, that's what drives them is being seen. Some people struggle with being seen and that's what holds them back from getting themselves out into the world. So it's about finding that balance between being um, neither motivated by the need to be seen or the fear of being seen, but how do I create more impact in the world and just making that the motivation. Yeah, absolutely. That, um, it's, it's a funny, um, like paradox there of like we have the fear of being seen, but then we also have the desire slash need to be seen and then be accepted. Um, yeah, yeah strange thing to, to kind of. We all grapple with that. And, and that, that, that even kids that, you know, teenagers that aren't um, influencers or they're not, you know, running a business, you know, that even to them, just these days, the capacity to be seen is much greater than it ever used to be, you know, before you're seen by your peers or your colleagues in the classroom. But these days you're seen by social media. Um, and that's another place of the ego loving it, but then also afraid of being judged it as well. 
Mm, yeah, for sure. Well, if there were one or two people that you can meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take that next step towards these dreams and goals, who would they be and how would they help you? I would have to say it'd be someone that would be obviously having a large impact in the world for the right reasons and wanting to share um, some of my insights through their community. So, you know, Neckart Tolle, uh, Russell Brand, someone that um, might want to, I guess, um, share what I might be able to offer the world to their community. And um, I think that would probably be pretty cool. I've got a film out called The Portal. So I think anyone that um, has the capacity like Dalai Lama or Eckhart Tolle, Russell Brand, Oprah, to uh, say, hey, guys, you should check out this film. It's <laughs> the Kardashians even. Um, then getting more eyeballs on that film would be pretty pretty exciting. I got you. I got you. I didn't know Russell Brand had like a a big community. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's doing some great things out there at the moment. He's uh, quite a little bit controversial. Some people might not agree with some of his perspectives, but yeah, I think most people who have large communities good. are controversial. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Well, now we're gonna jump into our thriving three, and the first question is: What's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Hmm. I go with book. Uh, there's a book I. Phil was probably the most impacting book I've read and the one that I recommend to most of my students called Emmanuel's book. And it's a, it's a beautiful book about what it is to be human and how to live more effectively as a human. Very simple, but very potent read. There we go. And what's one way you like to take care of yourself? Meditation. Meditation. I was already typing that one in, but I was like, I'll just ask the question <laughs> just, for the, just for the listeners. <laughs> and what is one action step that you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet that person with large impact that wants to share some of your insights in their community? Hmm. Good one. We did reach out to Russell Brand's community um, and we actually spoke to one of their team, but um, they were a little bit preoccupied at the time and weren't able to follow the steps. But I'm, I'm a proactive guy. Um, I'm very enthusiastic about outreach. And um, if I can find a way to find a contact point for someone, then I'll do that. So we, we found a way to communicate with Russell Brand's community, managed to get hold of them, and they responded, which was pretty exciting. A lot of people don't respond when you get to their website and there's a little contact at the bottom. Yeah. Um, but I guess the next step would be probably to Try and reach out to Eckhart Tolle's community and see what happens there. There we go. I love it. I'm not sure so, if I sent him an, an Instagram message here to respond, but you never know, right? <laughs> you never know. You, you might be the one that he responds That's to. That's right. <laughs> um, with Russell Brands, how'd that work out? Were they, they, you, they were just too busy, like not a later um, Yeah, we wanted to see if they wanted to share the film or, or watch the film. Um, we, we, he presented... a show here in sydney um so this is another thing that we did he presented a show here in sydney and one of my investors in the film um bought tickets for me and him to go to the show with the intention that at the end of the show we'd get to say hello and he did actually come down into the crowd at the end of the show he left going down the middle of the aisle and i think he just loved getting hugged by everyone but um i had my book which comes with the film there's a film and a book and so we um I got, got a hug and we had a photo, which is on my Instagram. And, um, and then um, I gave him the book, but he, you know, people were trying to give him lots of things. So he gave the book to his assistant who was with him. And, uh, you know, whether or not he read it, who knows? But yeah. that was another event, uh, just another attempt to just get in front of him and let him know about our work. But it's hard when these people, are, they're doing great things already. They don't want to get bombarded with lots of people trying to get something off them. So it's a fine line to walk. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's hard. Um, have you ever read the book called Giftology? No, I haven't actually. Gotcha. It's a really good book on giving real solid, meaningful gifts, especially to people of influence, right? Because they get gifts left and right. Sure. So unless you get them something that's going to touch their heart or the heart of somebody they love, you're probably not going to get their attention. Mm. Um, but it was just talking about this dude's mm. philosophy of gift giving. And I actually had somebody on my show I'm blanking on his name right now, but 
he runs a gifting company, which is so interesting. Like he just yeah, helps right. people give solid gifts and yeah. the introductions or, you know, do their marketing plan if you're like a realtor or something like that. But I um had someone um that did a they they pulled a big favor for me. Um and they're quite a influential person. Um they managed to get me quite a good speaking gig, which paid quite well. Um and I was thinking about, you know, I wanted to repay them in some way and I could give them some money, but I could get lost easily in an electricity bill or um, I could buy them champagne, but I don't really drink and I don't want to really promote that. So I, I literally only 15 minutes ago before our podcast today, I, um, uh, they live in a different state. So I Googled organic fruit and veggie boxes um, for that particular state, found a website, uh, rang them up and said, you deliver. And they said, yes, we do. I said, okay. Um, and then I ordered a, a you know, beautiful gift box of organic fruit and veggies because I know that they're going to use that right and it's going to be really yeah. good for them and so every time they go to cook that meal and they're using some of my fruit and veggies then there'll be a little bit of that gift that's being you know integrated into their life in a nice way exactly exactly and that's ex you don't even need to read the book that's exactly what the book was talking about <laughs> that heart right there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really cool well, now we got our final series of questions and these questions can get a bit more personal. So if you want to pass, just be like, I'm going to pass and I'll be like, okay, cool. Um, but the first one is what is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life? If any. Hmm. Look, I've, um, I was in finance for 26 years. I was a very successful broker. Uh, I was very good at um, doing big trades and making money. But I actually had a number of different situations, three times in my life, three big episodes where uh, I, I had a very bad trade and I lost a lot of money. Um, and, uh, and so there's, there's a limiting belief around that, that ability to, to not just do uh, something good that makes an impact, but also um, attracts sustainable wealth. Uh, there's, there's still, still some residual lingering scar tissue from that. I gotcha. I gotcha. And is it more like uh, your ability to subtract, uh, to attract sustainable or to attract wealth or just your ability to attract wealth and keep it? I think keeping it. Yeah. For some mm -hmm. reason in my life, it's just something that slips through my fingers quite easily. I gotcha. I gotcha. Awesome. And do you think that tracks before you were a broker and lost those three big trades? Or do you think that's where it originated? Uh, it's an interesting one. I've done a lot of work around it and uh, depending on this might be a bit overwhelming or a bit out there for some of the audience, but I had some energy work done and, and someone tracked it down to seven generations in my family lineage that we, we'd lost everything in a big, um, a big tragedy in the family. And uh, that set a code in the family because I didn't just inherit my father and my mother's eyebrows and color eyes and ears and, you know, color hair. Um, we inherit also energies and belief systems that get passed down as a software code. And um, I can feel that there's some of that's been passed in. There's, there's something that I probably carried through from past lifetimes. That's, I wouldn't say past lifetimes is more more my family's genetic. Actually, was, I was told it came through my father's lineage in Ireland. I gotcha. I gotcha. And do you have any actions that, reinforce that limiting belief to this day maybe you do them on a daily weekly could be annual basis monthly basis but any actions that kind of show up regularly that reinforce the fact that you can't attract and keep wealth um yeah there's some actions but it's more about less about the action that reinforces that what i'm working on is um taking actions that override that code because we can we the whole point of my work is to help people break the code because we inherit a lot of code. You know, a lot of the, the way we live our life isn't just a clean slate when we come into this world. We come in with this inherited code, belief systems, patterns, ways of thinking, vibrations, frequencies. And um, a lot of that is really about doing a lot of work to clear that deep genetic blueprint that we're carrying in this lifetime. So um, it's, it's about really continually doing things to override that code and create a new code. I gotcha. I gotcha. And if you were to change this belief into an abundant phrase that really spoke to your heart, what would that phrase be? I think it would be along the lines of that um, you can't actually lose things. Mm. You know, um, to, to be the divine, which is the essence of all. And to, to know that the, this idea of loss 
is a human construct. Um, of course, on the physical world, the world of form and phenomenon, we can lose things. We can lose a partner. We can lose a child. We can we can lose things uh, in in the form world, the world of matter. But in the field of essence, then we're the unified field. And so, just keep coming back to the the abundance of being. Um, the abundance of being is, is ridiculously affluent. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. I like that a lot. We got one last question for you. You ready for it? Yeah. So how do we create an environment around people, not to make the choice for them to kind of better their lives because we can't make that choice for people, but to help put them in a position to the best of our extent to, you know, make that choice to change their life for the better. How do we create that environment around them? I always come back to the scene when Harry met Sally and Meg Ryan's in the cafe. Uh, some young kids don't know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what you're about. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, just Google when Harry met Sally cafe scene. Gosh, um, I, so I just know it's a movie that's famous. Yeah, it? yeah it's a famous <laughs> movie. So there's a scene where Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal, they're in a cafe and um, they get chatting about um, the fact that sometimes she might be faking the orgasm during sex. And he's like, every guy will be able to tell if that's a fake or not. And she goes, oh, really? And so she then goes to show in a cafe what her version of an orgasm would be, which was quite loud and quite, um, quite interesting. And then two ladies next to her were having their, their meal. And then one of them looked over and said, I'll have whatever she's having. And so what it means is that um, Meg Ryan showed something that was inspirational. She showed something without lecturing, without telling, but just living and breathing something that was inspirational, that would inspire someone to want to have what she's having. And this is what I teach my students, just live and breathe it. Um, if you want to do more, you know, do your podcasts and do your talks and do your blogging and your social media. But um, if you want to just live and breathe it, then that's a good starting point. And then that will be inspirational enough for people to go, well, whatever they're doing, it seems to be working out okay for them. And maybe um, there's something in that for me. Mm. Live and breathe it. Just be it. Yeah. Just be it. Yeah. I love it. Well, awesome. Tom, that's all we got for you, man. Thanks for coming on the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for uh, the probing questions and the rawness of it. I love it. And I uh, appreciate it. And I uh, hope you have a great evening. And thanks for listening, everyone. Of course. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? Uh, look, if anyone wants to find me, they can come to Instagram, Tom Cronin, one word. Um, I'm very engaged with my community. Love to hear from people. will always respond to my messages. And they can go to my website, tomcronin.com as well, which is all just one word with .com. And then uh, if they're interested in anything uh, that I've got to offer, then reach out anytime. We'd love to be able to support them on their journey of transformation and human optimization. There we go. Well, if you guys were listening to this and you loved what Tom had to say, make sure to check out those links. They will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys for watching. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.